This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Side Hustlers podcast. I'm your host from iHeartRadio, Carla Marie. Each week we talk to someone new who is either currently side hustling, doing something that they love outside of their day job, working extra, sometimes to not even be paid, or someone who was a side hustler and hustled so hard that they turned their side hustle into their full-time job. Now, I've been doing this podcast for almost two years. My 100th episode is coming up, and I'm going to do a live podcast for the 100th episode. It's going to be in Seattle, February 22nd. It's a Saturday, and it's going to come to you from the Full Moon Market in Capitol Hill in Seattle at around 4 p.m. More details to follow, but my guest will be the one and only Laura Burkhart. And yes, Laura side hustled for a very long time with her entire woodworking business and all of her art. So if you want to go follow her to find out a little bit about her before the podcast, it's Laura 
Burkhart on Instagram, but I've tagged her a lot. So you probably know. So February 22nd, get it on your calendars around 4 p.m. at the Full Moon Market in Capitol Hill, which is in the bottom of Stumptown Coffee. Now, this week's guest is Sarah Carson. Sarah is the owner, creator, mastermind behind Leota. Leota is an apparel company, dresses or jumpsuits for women that are versatile. So you can wear them to work and look fashionable, but you can also wear them out on a date, out on the weekend with your friends, whatever it may be. But Sarah's story is wild because when she created Leota and started making dresses, she was also working on Wall Street as an investment banker. For a lot of people, you know, why are you waiting? You know what you want to do. This is something you want to do. Get up your butt and do it. I'm a hustler, side, side hustler. Do it. I'm a hustler, side, side hustler. Do it. I'm a hustler, side, side hustler. Come on, ask about me. Yo, yo, it's the Side Hustlers Podcast with Carla Marie. Okay, so I've got Sarah Carson with me. Sarah's coming to us from New York City, which is super cool, where Leota was born. But before we get into the whole backstory of Leota and how you did this, can you just kind of explain what Leota is? Leota is a women's apparel brand. We make the most comfortable, versatile, wear everywhere, vibrant fashion on the market for women. And it's very cute, by the way. You check it out. It's Leota New York on Instagram. So you can see what Sarah's talking about. So you created your own fashion company. Did you have any background in fashion before you launched Leota? I don't recommend this, but no, (laughs) I had no experience. Actually, one time when I was in high school, I tried to get a job at The Gap folding sweaters, and I didn't even get that job. (laughs) Okay, great. (laughs) Well, it clearly didn't matter at this point. So when you first launched Leota, you were doing what as your day job? I was a Wall Street investment banker. It's crazy to me. I know. And it was just like you see in the movies. I was pulling 100-hour work weeks, watching the sun come up over Park Avenue. It was crazy hours. And I was a New Yorker, so I'm wearing these office lady suits, super Mm. tight. Like My morning would start out putting on my suit or like a beautiful tailored dress, walking downstairs and having my doorman actually zip up (gasps) my dress in the back for me because as a single woman, I mean, you got to do what you got to (laughs) do. Sometimes you got to use the hanger and that doesn't even work. That's wild. That looking around, I was seeing women wearing yoga pants and jeans and a t-shirt and athleisure was becoming really popular. And I'm sitting here wearing Mm -hmm. these super uncomfortable, wrinkly clothes, and I had to go on business trips and travel. And so I thought there had to be a better way. So I decided to make it myself. So you started looking and you saw that there was nothing comfortable and fashionable out there for someone who is considered to be a businesswoman working in this field. There was nothing that you could wear that was comfortable. Women are expected to do so much right now, which is amazing. I mean, what a privilege. I would be going from work to going on dates, going out for dinner, traveling with family, hanging out with my friends on the weekends, going to brunch. And I kind of wanted to have something that I could do everything in. I would end up having to put my dress for after work in my bag, like with my gym clothes and all this, all this stuff. So I thought, wouldn't it be convenient and amazing if there was something that felt amazing on that you could move around in, wash and wear, you didn't have to iron it. No. And so I shopped everywhere for this. I looked at Nordstrom, I looked at my local boutiques, and I couldn't really find it. So I am an artist. I never did it professionally, but I always love to make stuff. Of course. And 
growing up, we would be going to art fairs and like checking out all these homemade things in our my hometown in Michigan. And my mom would always say, oh, we can make that. <laughs> and we actually would. So we'd go to the local craft store and get all the materials and set up shop and try and actually make it ourselves. We made it all. So you took that mindset of, oh, we can make that, that you and your mom had, and you did that. But where in this 100-hour work week did you decide, I'm going to go buy fabric and make a dress that first time? What was that like? And how did you decide to do that? I used art as a way to unwind from this crazy business that I was in. And so I got a lot out of like going to the garment district and going door to door at these cute little fabric shops. And I was always really inspired by color and pattern. And so that really gave me a little bit of energy and rejuvenation when I had time. At this point, I was 25. I could stay up late. It didn't really matter. Okay, that has changed over (laughs) time. (laughs) But back then, I would stay up late making stuff. And I started getting a lot of orders for my product from friends and family. And so that was really fun. And after a while, I started to think maybe I was onto something. When you made that first one, did you just wear it to work one day and not tell anyone like, oh, I made this and just to see what people would say? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because I didn't really want to make a big deal out of that. But I didn't really know how to make fashion at the time. So I decided to figure it out myself. I ended up creating patterns out of old New York Times newspapers on my dining room table. And pattern making, I was like, well, it's just basically math. I can figure this out. And I did. (laughs) Yeah, it's just math. And and no one else can really say it's just math. I can figure it out. We're all the opposite, the rest of us. So so good on you for being uh, able to do that. At what point were you like, wow, I'm actually... I'm on to something here. These orders are coming in. At what point did it start to become bigger than you? Well, I grew up with a lot of side hustlers and small business owners. My family has had Dairy Queens, diaper services, flower shops. I mean, everything you can imagine. So I always had this mindset of like, well, how can I make this into something bigger? And because I was making these dresses that were so cute and easy to wear and easy to care for. And I was a little bit interested in making a career change as well. And so I love business and I had a great career on Wall Street, but I was at the point where I felt like I was leaving a little bit of passion and effort on the table. And I wasn't really willing to do that for the rest of my life. And because I saw a market for the product that I was making, and it was also a good time in my life to spread my wings and do something that I could really be passionate about, because I don't want to just go to work and do the work. Be miserable, no. That's not enough for me. So that's when I decided to make the slightly crazy decision to quit my job and go for it with Leota. So where did the name Leota come from? Leota is my great grandmother's name. Oh, how cute. That's so sweet. And because I get so much inspiration and motivation from my very supportive family, naming the company after my great grandmother felt really right. That's incredible. Was she around when you launched the company? I never met my great grandmother, Leota Carson, but she was a real saver. She would get a new dress 
and would put it in her closet and never wear it because it was too special. <laughs> oh my goodness. That's perfect. Isn't that cute? That is so cute. So when you left your job on Wall Street to just do Leota full time instead of as a side hustle, were you still building everything out of your apartment or did you have a space? What was it like at that point? Everything had exploded all over my apartment. <laughs> Every corner of my apartment was polka dot fabric, sewing, supplies, business cards. And I it was very DIY. I call the startup phase the scrappiness Olympics. <laughs> and I know your listeners know what I mean. No, they do. Where it's just you've got to figure every single thing out yourself. And I bootstrapped my business. It's not like I had all this investment money to go do it yeah. the right way. So I designed my own logo. I designed my own business card. I created a lookbook myself wow. on my computer and I went to my first trade show. I chose the trade show because it was the cheapest. That was like literally my strategy <laughs> <laughs> because we just, I had to really figure out what was the like cheapest, fastest, scrappiest way that I could launch the business. What other ways, I guess, marketing ways did you kind of get out there? You went to the trade show. You obviously, you said you had business cards. So I'm assuming you were networking. What ways were you telling people about Leota? I went after a wholesale business to get started at first. Smart. I think there's a lot of attention towards e-commerce. And of course we do that now, but I think it's getting more and more expensive to acquire customers online. Yeah. So in order to make a product actually profitable, I had to build volumes quickly. And so that's why I decided to go the wholesale route. And trade shows are the quickest way to get in front of as many retailers as possible. So that really worked. And the other thing I did that was free was to hire sales reps. Oh, because they make commission off of selling? Exactly. So there's, there was no upfront cost to me. Wow. And so we're really aligned with the same goal because they don't make money unless they sell something. So that's something I really recommend to startup founders. Yeah, I've never had a guest say that, but I don't think I've ever had a guest who worked on Wall Street. So you're dropping all kinds of knowledge <laughs> that we've never had before. I also realized something you started nine years ago. That was before, yeah. I guess, the real social media boom that we have now where you can start a small business and market yourself for free on the internet through things like Instagram. What was that like when you were already up and going, which first of all, that is a huge accomplishment to be able to launch a business without the world of social media. But when that kind of took off, what was it like for you as a business already going? Did you jump into social media right away? Or were you like, why? What is this? What do I have to do with this? Honestly, I was at first a little wary of social media because what people don't realize is that the fashion business is not really as glamorous as you would think. Right. <laughs> so what you see on the cover of magazines is really the end product. And in between, I'm running all over the garment district with like a 70 pound roll of fabric on my shoulder, a slice of dollar pizza in one hand and like a bag of samples in the other hand. And that is not exactly the glamorous right. thing that I wanted to project. So at first I was like, are my customers going to be turned off by all the hustle and scrappiness that it really takes to build a brand? And what I realized is that what shoppers really appreciate is the authenticity. Oh, yeah. And they love knowing that there's a Sarah behind making this product that they love. So I kind of had to get over that. And also I'm from Michigan and we're very modest there. So I had to get over that as well. But you're right. It is important because I know me personally, when I shop, if I know 
that there is a human behind the brand and there's a story, I am more likely to shop that company than a big box store because they're great and all, but sometimes it is awesome knowing that your money is going to another human who is, this is their passion. So I think it's really smart. And to anyone who's a small business owner, a lot of people are scared to show their face, like you're saying, or show the behind the scenes. But at the end of the day, that's what people are going to be drawn to because we're all attracted to how things are done because most of us can't do it. I can't do what you've done. I want to know how you've done it. So I think it was really smart to jump on that. And I think that's a great piece of advice for anyone jumping into either something new or launching their business. Were you um, shipping dresses and stuff on your own in the beginning? And at what point did you, <laughs> you're rolling your eyes. I love it. At what point did you jump from shipping your dresses to whether whatever your process is now? Yeah. Oh my gosh, Carla Marie, <laughs> like, don't get me started on shipping. Everyone's got the I- shipping stories. I thought I was getting into the fashion business and the dress business, but no, it turns out I'm in the shipping business, <laughs> manufacturing business, HR business, uh, you know, fixing the printer business, all these things that kind of snowball once your business actually gets started yeah. were shouldn't have been a surprise, but they kind of were. And I shipped every single order for myself with my bare hands in the first year. So I would be in the factory doing the last minute touches on, cause we made everything in New York at first. So my okay. office was pretty much in the factory, uh, this dingy factory on like the 14th floor of an ancient building on 39th street in the city. So I would be putting the poly bag on the item, putting it into the box, printing out the UPS label, all those details. And one thing I would do differently if I had a do-over is probably go with a third-party logistics company sooner Mm -hmm. because it turns out that I'm not very good at shipping. (laughs) Who knew? I have a lot of talents. (laughs) I know. I had My mom was my first customer service person, and our 800 number would ring on her phone, and she would be, like, in Florida. (laughs) like as And the customer would call and be like, I got the wrong order again. And so my mom would call me. Imagine. Yelling at you. (laughs) And she's like, Sarah, you need to double-check the orders before they go out. And I was like, I know. So shipping is not my core competency. I, listen, <laughs> I get I sell my own clothes on Poshmark and I can't tell you how many times I have switched up the orders and I am not running a business. So I fully understand what you went through and I don't know how you've done it. So that everyone's got like shipping was the nightmare. Well, and that's where like the learning is just what I call stay in your lane. Do the things that you're really good at and be really honest with I had to be really honest with myself. What are the things that I'm not that good at Mm -hmm. and have someone else do those things? So I'm constantly relearning that lesson. And one of the challenges is there's just so much that we can't control. And this happens to be shipping related to however. (laughs) You're good. Give it all. (laughs) Once we started, so we had to order our fabric from overseas. Early on, I was only ordering a little bit of fabric. So it wasn't taking up a whole container. And so what they do is they put other people's product in your container. And one season, the ca- the container got stuck in customs because they went in to in- inspect everything in the container. Part of it was Leota dresses and part of it was like endangered species pelts. What? True story. <laughs> True story. 
And so oh we get this notice from customs. It's held up at JFK for like a month. No. And, and that's your yes, livelihood. Exactly. And so this is just one example of how I had no control over that. No. So I try and focus on these are things that I do have control over and not to stress too much about the things that I have nothing to do with. Yeah, no, that is a uh, great advice that you should probably tell me every week. So I'll go back and listen <laughs> to this episode. Thanks for that. You said you started with a few sales reps as your first employees, and you didn't obviously have to pay them because they were making commission. What is Leota now? How many employees do you have? Where are you? You know, you're not in that, I'm assuming, 14th floor old warehouse. What is the company like now? Well, now the company has gone from those scrappy days of packing my own boxes and well, I still change the toilet paper sometime. Okay, I'll be honest that's with you, fair. probably. I still do that. <laughs> Just sometimes. say humble. Um, <laughs> but we grew, we were one of the fastest growing private companies in America for two years in a row and in the top 50 run by women. Which is amazing, so, by the way. Congratulations. Thank you. So it has been very gratifying to see all that hard work and passion pay off in having a very fast growing award winning company. We got connected through someone named Bree, who I don't know. It was just an email that I got in my inbox and it was like, oh my God, I love this and I loved your story. I always talk about networking and the importance of connecting other people. And Bree is kind of like that little fairy that just came in out of nowhere and introduced me to you. Now, Bree's company, from what I understand, is she solely works with people like you, business owners, to get them as guests on podcasts. What is that like for you as a business owner working for someone with someone like Bree, what made you decide to do that? Is that something you would recommend for other business owners? For my fashion brand, Leota, I have always had to think about what are the things I'm good at and what do I have time for and what can I have other people do for me? Now, having somebody book me on podcasts was not part of the Scrappiness Olympics no, in the not first in the couple of years with Leota. <laughs> no, but it is something that has allowed me to be very, very efficient. Having someone book me on podcasts is one example of how I can automate things for Mm. myself and be more efficient. So another example of that would be to have a virtual assistant. Okay, I've heard this a few times. Tell me about it. One thing I think founders and side hustlers do wrong is they try and do everything. And it's in our nature, though. Right. And that's exciting up to a point. Yes. (laughs) But we also forget about ourselves and our own needs. And we're doing a little bit of absolutely everything. And that means, guess what? We're actually probably not very good at anything. So getting the support that we need as side hustlers or as founders is really important. So I, I think that getting a virtual assistant is an easy way to take some things off your plate get them automated so you can focus on bigger picture things with your business. What are some things that a virtual assistant may do? Scheduling, customer service, paying your bills, follow up emails with customers. Yeah, I need this. (laughs) Uploading new items onto Poshmark. Okay, there we go. So updating product details, writing product descriptions, checking your email, responding to your social media comments. Where do you find a virtual assistant? Is there like a, is it a LinkedIn type thing or is there a specific network or place to go for that specific type of virtual assistant? There's a lot of companies that do this, so I don't really have a specific recommendation. So if I just Google virtual assistant, I think I'll be fine. I think everyone listening will be fine. One thing that's really helped me as a founder of Leota is having a network 
a personal network of other founders and other side hustlers because there's this inevitable up and down of trying to build something new. I found in building my clothing brand, I would be elated one day because we just got our first order from Nordstrom, let's say. And then the next day I would be just so upset because maybe the product got stuck in with endangered species at at JFK. (laughs) So that inevitable up and down can really be helped by having a good network of other founders. And then also I have all these people that I can text anytime if I have a little question like that, because it's such a huge learning curve. When I was a Wall Street investment banker, I knew a lot of stuff, but I sure as heck did not know how to place an order for 20 wrap dresses on 39th Street. (laughs) It's really, really different having a network that of people close to you that you can just text if you have questions to verify all this new learning is invaluable for founders. When you started, was there, you know, you said you stayed up late a lot. You said you were 25. So it made a difference. What was that balance like, though? Because you had your day job, you had your side hustle. What was that work life balance like? Did you still get to go to your favorite workout class, hang out with friends? Because I feel like a lot of people don't want to give that up. I honestly don't believe in balance. My mantra is no balance. And what I mean by that is I think striving for balance is striving for mediocrity. I love you, by the way. (laughs) I would so much rather be amazing at two or three things and just let the rest go. And the challenge is not feeling guilty about that, though. Because I think especially as women, there's so many pressures and things that if we're not going to do something, I just make myself feel bad about it. So the, the key is no balance, no guilt. I I think I really need to hear that personally. This episode is one of those episodes where it's just selfishly for me. So uh, thank you for being here today <laughs> for that. <laughs> Appreciate it. Well, here's another tip, Carla Marie. So here's something that I do. Like you, I get a zillion incoming inquiries every day meet with me for 15 minutes come do this come to this meeting come to this dinner my mantra is hell yeah or no okay so my answer to that is in hell yeah this is awesome I totally want to do this it's great for me it's great for my business I just don't do it at all I honestly I'm like do I want to write this down so I don't forget it it's so true though because how do you have all these passions that you want to be successful and then kind of not spread yourself thin. It's really, really hard. But then like you're saying, the hell yeah or no is a great way to just start knocking things off that you want to do, don't want to do and just stop dragging people or events or things along. It's just, it's great advice for me and anyone listening because the people who listen to this podcast are people who want to be inspired or people who want to start their small business or just started a small business. So you are dropping knowledge that I think a lot of us needed to hear today. So especially to kick off a new year. Thank you for that. Um, You mentioned that your family had all kinds of side hustles growing up. You saw this lifestyle. It was what is the norm to you. But did you think that you would be having your own fashion company? I definitely didn't think I would have my own fashion company because I'm your typical first born. I'm practical, pragmatic. I always want to know where my next paycheck is coming from. I'm not this risky, risk-taking person. So it wasn't really in my nature to make such a huge leap. At the same time, I was taught that actually my parents lied to me (laughs) because they told me growing up that 
I was going to love my career and I was going to be amazing at it. I was so excited. I mean, I was so excited to start my career. My parents were major feminists. And when I started my career, it was fine, but I wasn't in love with my day to day. I thought it was going to be something that was going to be truly feeding me, like feeding my soul, Mm -hmm. which I know that sounds really naive now, but I really believe that. Well, we expect it. Later, when I realized that it, it, I wasn't as passionate as I could be, I decided that I had to make a change. But it took a long time. I didn't quit my job um, until I was 30. That's oh, when I wow. said, you know what? I didn't realize you did. you. So you did Leota for about five years before you made the leap? Yeah, I, wow. it was a hobby. It was a super fun hobby. I just loved making things and it, it made me happy. And then later I started to realize that I could make that into my future job, but it's much different. It's really different to have a fun hobby with no pressure other than my cousin wanting a, a red dress for <laughs> Valentine's Day. That's yeah. a lot different than having other people make the product and having to fix the copier mm-hmm. and all the fun stuff that comes with having an actual business. Was turning 30 kind of like a, I need to do this now type of moment for you? Because when I turned 30, I launched the podcast. I did, there was a few things that I did because I was like, this is my year. It's a big one. Was that in your mind at all too? Or it was just, that's how it worked out. I thought long and hard about making this career change. And I was facing this kind of fork in the road where I had gotten into business school. And I also had this growing interest in possibly turning Leota into a business. And I decided that instead of spending a quarter of a million dollars and going into debt to do business school, I thought, let me give it a shot. Let me just invest in myself a little bit and see if it works. So I gave myself a year. I decided if this doesn't really work after a year, then I'll just go do something else. But it really took off. And after a year, I was already selling to 50 retailers. When you left your day job and then you had that first year just doing Leota full time, were you able to see a huge difference because you were able to put way more time into your company? Yes, absolutely. And I didn't really try and monetize any of the things I was making until after I'd already left my job. So one thing that I was trying to do, and I bet a lot of your side hustles are really good at this. I wasn't. When I was in this job, I was making a lot of money. I wasn't loving it anymore, but I was comfortable. Yeah. And so as a result, I didn't really have any bee in my bonnet to really try and do something else. So I had to think long and hard about giving up that security for something that was totally unknown. But it ended up being the most thrilling thing I've ever done in my life. Yeah, I mean, it's got to be scary. But at the same time, when it's it actually starts working, it's got to be the coolest thing because it's your baby. Like this is your yours. You created it. I mean, I'm sure you had people to support you along the way, but you created it. So that that moment has to be really cool when it succeeds. Yeah, absolutely. And there's just so much more accountability and desire to make something work for me when it's my own. You said that your mom was a customer service when you first started. Was anyone in your life like, Sarah, you're making a dress line? You're crazy. No, nobody discouraged me. (laughs) And maybe they should have. (laughs) I think think a lot of times entrepreneurs, and this definitely happened for me, I was just totally ignorant about what was ahead. My parents shared with me afterwards that they did have a lot of concern about what I I was doing, because they're used to me being the usual conservative Sarah, like Mm -hmm. go to work, work hard, blah, blah, blah. That's basically it. And so then when they found out that I wanted to 
walk away from probably one of the most coveted jobs in the world because I really liked making comfortable, like machine washable dresses. They had concern, but luckily for me, they didn't talk to me about that. And I'm really glad that they got their anxieties out on their friends. (laughs) So if there's any parents listening to this podcast, the hot tip is (laughs) deal with your feelings with it offline. Okay. I like that. So they were... They were very supportive of me. That's really cool. It's, it's, and you're right. That is great advice for parents listening. Just keep it to yourself for a little bit. Let them let your <laughs> kids do their thing. We have crazy ideas sometimes. It's okay. They may work out. You obviously said the whole piece about, you know, you don't want to be mediocre. You know, there's no such thing as balance. Are there other ideas that you have flowing where you're like, I want to launch this now or I want to change this or there's no space for something else that you have in your mind? I am. a. I love creating businesses. I <laughs> love having I have so many ideas all the time. And one thing one reason why I think my fashion business, Leota, has been so successful is that I've been really focused. Okay. So I might want to make all these different cat. I mean, I want to make all the stuff. But we've decided to really stay focused on our core products. Stay in your lane, like you said. Stay in your lane. These vibrant dresses that I think are totally game-changing for fashion and one thing that we want to really be known for. So that has made us very successful because we haven't wasted money on trying this or that, whatever the latest shiny object is, because those shiny objects are really exciting, especially if you're an entrepreneur type. Since it is the new year and people could be writing out goals as a business owner and entrepreneur, what kind of goals do you create for your company each year? Or is that not something that you you do? How does that work as a business owner? Yes. Goal setting is a huge part of moving the ball forward little by little over time. I do a two-day retreat with this forum, a small group forum of other entrepreneurs every single January to set goals for the year. And then I follow the traction cadence of goal setting for the company. So that's traction by Gina Wickman. I highly recommend that to anyone starting a small business because it gets you into the habits of setting the long-term goal, like the big picture goal, and then breaking that up into quarterly pieces for how we're going to get there. Because if you, if I look at my goal for three years ahead of time, I, that can be a little bit overwhelming. Yeah. But bite-sized pieces, now that I can do. So just putting one foot in front of the other, we can do that as long as we know that each step is going exactly where we want to go with a business. So this weekend, I'm going on my retreat with oh, my cool. forum. And I'm excited because I get to combine my personal goals mm-hmm. and my personal life with my professional goals and my professional life. That's really For cool. For me, those have always been very intertwined. Now, when you keep saying your forum, is it the same people that you do this with every year? Mm-hmm. That's really cool. I love that. Well, that's the kind of support that we need. If we're going to be doing this no balance lifestyle, mm-hmm. we need support. We need people that got our backs and that are going to like help us get through those inevitable challenging times. Yeah, no, that is a great advice. Even if it's just a group of friends that you can kind of just team up with every year and make sure you guys are sitting down doing your thing and having each other's backs. That's incredible. And you've given so much advice that I kind of want to write an article about here are Sarah's (laughs) tips 
to life. Thank you. Follow these and you'll be fine. And I'm excited that you're going to uh, let anyone who listens to this podcast get a discount on a Leota dress. So let them know how they can do that. Go to leota.com, L-E-O-T-A, and enter the code podcast for 20% off your first order. Sweet. Well, thank you very much. You're welcome. But I, I appreciate it so much and for being on this podcast and, and for you for creating something so cool for women everywhere who want to feel like themselves and still be badasses at their job. So it's incredible what you've done. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you, as always, for listening to Side Hustlers, not just for me, but for every guest that you're supporting. You are supporting someone's dream whenever you listen to this podcast. So thank you. Go support Sarah. You can get your dresses, your jumpsuits. It's leota.com, L-E-O-T-A.com. Use code podcast to get your discount. And don't forget, the live podcast of Side Hustlers, the 100th episode celebration, will be February 22nd around 4 p.m., at Full Moon Market, which is in the basement of Stumptown Coffee in Capitol Hill. Follow me on Instagram at the Carla Marie. It's where I'm going to be posting all about it. I'll have a link there for you to kind of RSVP so we know how many people are going to be there. So at the Carla Marie on Instagram, you can always email me, sidehustlerspodcast at gmail.com if you have any questions. Next week's guest is going to be a lot of fun because she started her side hustle from listening to this podcast. It's crazy. Be here for that. Until then, keep hustling. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin, And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.